Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. We are live. Hello, everybody. Chelsea, don't give me that look, okay? Don't give me that look. I hate voice. <laughs> well, I can always do a different voice if you'd like. How's that one? Oh, that one's fine. That one seems like 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 a very welcoming like Darling. person that murders you in the basement or something when you go in for tea. Well, darling, we can never tell exactly what we're going to have today. Oh, shall we? <laughs> Anyways, yes, the tea. The tea. Uh, flavored water work. Go ahead, do it. Sweet. If you start a filter, it's natural. I'm glad you live in Florida, but I'm scared now. I'm very scared. No, <laughs> hello everybody. We are back. We are live. We are with our guest today, Miss Amy Bernstein. Is it Bernstein? Bernstein? I'm gonna say Bernstein. Hey, sweet. I got it the first try. Yes. Anyways, so as we said before, today's topic is going to be talking about exploring multi-genres uh, in your writing or writing in multiple genres. Um, the main reason why we want to do this is because one, we have people, Chelsea included, uh, who have written in multiple genres and uh, they found a lot of success in that. And we want you guys to understand how it is uh, to do so. So we brought on a accomplished fiction and poetry writer. Uh, she is very versatile in, in uh, force. She's a versatile force in writing world uh, as an award-winning journalist, speech writer, playwright, and certified nonfiction book coach. Uh, she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our conversation today, but that's not all. Amy's Dedication to the craft of writing extends beyond her own work. She generously shares her wisdom through captivating workshops, inspiring countless aspiring writers to unlock their creative potential. And she hails from the city of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, she draws a lot of her inspiration from the surroundings, uh, infusing her words with the spirit of her of her community, excuse me, about died there. Uh, but today we'll dive deep into the realm of multi-genre writing, as I've said. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will bring on now the the enchantress of writing, Miss Amy Bernstein. Amy, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. I, and I'm going to put Enchantress on my website now because I think that's that's only fitting. That's probably one of the best intros I've ever had, and I will never, ever live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> just cut the video just to that part and put it on. So as soon as somebody goes Perfect. in, and now you've entered the world of the Enchantress. Hey. And it's just it's perfect. There you go. And it, hey, I also do voiceover stuff. So if you ever need just an intro, I'd be happy to do it for you. But 
let's let's get into this. Uh, Amy, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us something about yourself that you're willing to give up uh, <laughs> that people wouldn't know about you? Sure. Well, I, I think you've introduced me better than I could ever introduce myself. Um, I am the author of uh, four published novels and a, and a bunch of other stuff that you sort of alluded to. And I did come to, to um, I've always been a writer, but I came to fiction not till I was definitely well into middle age. It is never too uh, late to start getting creative uh, is what I like to say. But I think you, you pretty much summed it up beyond that. Well, that's good. So tell us something that we can find on, on the internet or anywhere else, mind you, about. <laughs> yes, you, will, you won't find this anywhere. So I'm going to tell a quick, a quick story about um, probably um, the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me in public because, you know, you have to recover. You have to go on living after these things happen. And you know how it is when you're having one of those dreams where you're actually dreaming where you know you're 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 naked on stage you you don't you forgot your lines or you something you're in that horrible situation where it's just you're so embarrassed and you wake up and you're so relieved well th something like that happened but absolutely unfolding in real time in real life in a nutshell i had organized um i had been representing the uh well i'm not even going to name names i had been representing a national organization uh regionally for some time and i had agreed to put on an event so said event um was meant to draw uh, a lot of people and it had singing and it had, it had reading and it was all this kind of stuff and i enlisted a very well-known local personage a local VIP, extremely well-known um, throughout the community far and wide who, who agreed to do this for me as a friend and come be an MC. So uh, we get to the top of the hour and uh, the uh, very important personage is there. The singers are there. Uh, I've had this thing all over the website for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Nobody comes. Like... Like one person. And this is supposed to be like an hour, hour and a half of an entire program and crickets. And it's pouring outside and nobody can find the entrance to the building. And we had to still do the whole program because you can't not do it. So we're performing for no one. And I was, I was pretty much just standing there going, I am now officially living a nightmare. I was, I mean, you know how you want to fall through the floor? Oh, yeah. That. You didn't like, you can call like your friends or family or anybody to show no, up. Too late. It was too late. And, you know, as it got closer and closer to the start time and there was nobody there and there was nobody there and there was nobody there and it was pouring rain out and it had turned cold and it was in a big church and the church was dark and nobody could find the entrance if they wanted to. Everything that could have gone wrong, other things went wrong, which I'm not even going to tell you. Um, it was, I, I've never been able to look the very important personage again in the face or contact him or anything. And if I ever were to run into him again, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> You gotta laugh about it. I, I gotta say, I just on the side, and that is every single event planner's biggest fear. Yes. Every single time I do a show, every single time I do an event, I'm like, dear God, please don't let it just be me and Danny. Like, come on. If you don't have a line, you automatically start panicking, and I can't. I would die. I would probably go to the nearest bar, which this is not condoning well, drinking. You know. But I as, as it was unfolding, I basically said to myself in real time, I said, you know, it's not going to get worse than this. You can't get more embarrassed or feel worse than you feel. You're just going to have to live through it and you're going to have to find a way to put this behind you. And that is all you can do. Yes. You can also go outside and scream, especially if there's a storm going on. I think I did that later. Just go <laughs> and scream. It'll draw attention. <laughs> number one. Number two, people are going to come running, hopefully. Boom, people at your event. I think I went home and drank a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you, see? Well, Matt, my plan would have worked. Yeah, uh, there would have been a lot of, there would have been a great light show too, mostly blue and red. Patriotic. Mm -hmm. um, there you go. That's true. It's very true. Uh, a lot of sirens. A lot of sirens would have happened too. So. Yeah, see, look, look at that. I'm getting a soundtrack, I'm getting lighting. <laughs> 
So how long did it take you, Amy, to be able to get through that? Well, you know, I think it, I think it's sort of in waves. I mean, I, it was so awful that I almost just kind of had to laugh and say, well, that happened. And now that that happened, it, this is it. It's it, in public. It's just not going to get worse. It just isn't. And it never has. And I don't think it ever will. Um, and I'm never, okay. you know, I'll never put myself in that situation again. Um, I was going to say, the big question is, have you done another event? I've organized a bunch of events since then and nothing was like that. And I think, I think I, I, I didn't allow myself to, self to have a version of sort of like artistic PTSD. I just like, I just said, no, don't, you don't get, par don't, don't, don't get paralyzed. Don't let this paralyze you. I, I think yeah. I worked at that. So, yeah, but, but no, I mean, just tell, I haven't thought about this in forever. And just telling the story again, like it definitely, it just comes back. Like it's like, it is seared into my brain. <laughs> it's the thing that keeps you up at 3 a.m. going, damn it, I should have oh, done yeah. something different. Oh yeah, it can. It sure can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've definitely been there before multiple times. <laughs> uh, my, mine are more, you know, self and self indulge, uh, but you know, it's, it's fun too. Embarrassing moments. Oh yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. The great thing about having embarrassing moments is that you'll never go without having a great story to tell that people can connect with. I don't know that I get embarrassed. Wow. Well, that's because I'm a, I'm a, it's, it's come from years of just being a terribly clumsy person mm, sure. that when I do something now, like I trip on air, I'll be walking perfectly fine and fall or like it's just I had a stutter when I was a kid, so like I just don't think I and if I think like this is my personality, so like this is I'm not the most subdued person in the world, so I don't I don't think I get it. Like, but when you fail, so far, yeah, if you fail in front of other people, that's a whole other level, though. Like I failed in front of several oh, people, yeah. meaning the people in this the people in this show, like several people. And so that, that I think that was the horror of it, right? I mean, it's it's it wasn't it was self-inflicted in that I thought about all the things I did wrong and setting it up or how I advertised it or whatever. But um, uh, it's failing in front of others that's I think hard, is hard for us to cope with. And as writers, you know, we all live with failure, don't we? We have to. Yeah, but again, as a writer, those are great to have because now you can put those characters in those same predicaments and know true. exactly how they're oh, going to feel. Absolutely true. So you're always going to have so some. I think that I don't think that you can ever actually fail until you give up, though. You That's clearly true. you had a hiccup in your event career, but you clearly went on to do other great things. So you just learned. You didn't fail. You learned. The only thing I can think of is I fell down all of the bleachers one time in high school. <gasps> like slid. It was raining outside. We were at a, our coach was making us run like stadiums because I may or may not have caused a scene at a pep rally. And so he. I said may or may not, Mac. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and, and, then I, but, and I hated it. Hated it. But, but then I went and so he made us all run stadiums, me and my little group, and it was pouring outside. And I slid and I was like, does this mean I'm done? Like, I don't have to keep going now, right? Because I was at the top and I missed the step and I just went boom straight down. Oh, man. That's Oh, yeah, but that was in front of the entire school. Yeah, well, then you were famous for that, right? People didn't really talk to me <laughs> in high school. I wasn't the person that you would approach unless you wanted something taken care of. So I'm I'm not going there. We, we've already had this discussion. No, 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 no. That sounded way, way worse. No, 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 no. Wait, I just realized how that sounded. That was not, I was not that person. I was like, uber geek like if you needed help on projects like i'm not an assassin matt jesus i was thinking like if you needed help on like projects or something like that maybe some sabotage occasionally but like i was like crazy well this is okay. the can of worms that you opened so you know i know i realized i probably should have just stopped at the i slid down yeah yeah because we we've already recorded your <laughs> statements previous to this okay so mm -hmm. When you say you're going to be a supervillain at one point. First of all, you said I was going to be a villain. I said, if I'm going to be a villain, I'm going to be a supervillain. Yeah, but who's the one that no, we're not going to just listen to the previous episode. <laughs> this is what that. happens, Amy. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> diplomatic immunity. Um, here, here's the thing. So because you both 
told embarrassing moments. I will share one of my multiple ones. Um, I think one of my the one that comes to mind right now was when I was I think I was probably around 14, 15 years old. Um, I was a, geek, a theater geek, and the at the summer stock, the children were having their show. The kids, uh, probably five to I think three to five years old was the, the the ages, but we were just getting done. And during the time of the show, I was up in the rafters and uh, to shot to uh, spread glitter down uh, above them. And instead of being the smart person and going down the ladder as I, as after the show was over and everybody was gone, I decided to say, Hey, there's a rope there. I'm just going to use that rope to go down. And it's not a thick rope. It's one of the yellow, like really barely a quarter to half an inch thick rope, uh, just enough to get a bucket up. And I decided I'm just going to go down that. I slid completely down, landed on my butt. Thankfully, I have a, a big butt, so it helps uh, for the cushioning. But I just spot. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you are. Right? I just got up and I was like, I'm fine. I'm good. About a minute or two later of walking, all of a sudden, my butt is just done. My tailbone is done. I'm like, oh, my butt. So, yeah, don't do that, kids. Um, Did you break your tailbone? I didn't break it. Wow. I didn't even bruise it. It just hurt for a while. Uh, probably probably explains why I have some back problems today. Um, but let's get into the let's, – let's start talking about, you know, writing – multiple genre books and or writing in multiple genres. So for you, it, as a successful author, and same thing with you, Chelsea, um, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages for authors who choose to write books that blend multiple genres? Do you want me to start? Of course. Well, there are definitely are pros and there are most definitely are cons. And Chelsea, I'll see if you see if you agree with this. On the plus side, I just think everybody should write whatever the hell they want to write. Tell the story you want to tell. Follow your passion. And don't stress out over over conventions, which might inhibit you. I certainly follow that dictum. Um, and, you know, if I want to write a book that's not just about um, a human hybrid mermaid, but it's also about social justice and uh, environmental degradation, well, then I'm going to put all that in that book and throw in some violence and throw in a cult and throw in all kinds of stuff. And it's all in there. And I, you tell me what genre that is. So that's the upside. The, the downside is... Oh, gosh, you know, the industry, publishing industry really, really wants to put you in a in a box yeah. that they can sell really neatly. And fans want that, too. They want to know that you're known for this one thing and you're going to do you're going to pump out this thing book after book after book. And that's what they want. And if you don't you're not rewarding them, you know, you're not going to have that sort of easier or almost automatic fan base. So, you know what? Pros and cons. Do you think that do you agree, Chelsea? I, I do. So in a lot of ways, I, I'm the same. I think you should write whatever you want to write. I have just about every single genre in every single one of my books. But one of the things that I think you shouldn't do is to purposely try to do it. Just let your story go. Don't be like, okay, I want to incorporate romance into something that doesn't need it. Or I want to incorporate some horror themes just to say I wrote a horror story. Like, let your story go freely. But I, I do, I've experienced with publishers, you know, where they're constantly trying to shove you into one thing and then people look at it and they're like, oh, so this is a dystopian dark metaphysical. So it, that's it. And it's like, no, it's also, it's also suspense and mystery and all of these things. So that kind of sucks. And that's one of the things that I do. So I actually do a, a pop-up bookshop where we go to conventions and we actually, all of the readers we have hit want weird stuff. 
they don't go and do the, oh, I want to read a soft romance. They're like, okay, I want a book about the ravens that attack a coffee shop and send it back in time. And they go through and I'm just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And so they, we've actually, my experience through, through travel with all of the different books that I have is the readers want some crazy stuff and they are dead specific on it. But then, like you said, you do have the ones that are like, I want to read Terry Pratchett and that's all I'm reading. Yeah. yeah. I want something like yeah. this. Well, I, but then you have the other ones that are just like, I want to expand on this. What else has this? I, I, so it's, yeah, I really agree with you about you can't you can't force these elements together. For me, it always the, the storytelling has to be organic. And if it's going to transcend genre boundaries, well, so be it if that's in service to the story. But you're never going to mash these scenes together. From, like if you try and do that externally, you're just going to wind up with bad storytelling one way or the other. Um, but by the same token, I will say that. For example, I do have a paranormal romance out, and um, while on the one hand I will say it's unconventional as romance because that's what I'm going to do, I'm not. On the other hand, I'm well aware of the tropes, and I'm going to follow the tropes to a point, but maybe not to the nth degree. Like I'm not going to follow them so literally that that's all you're getting is a cookie cutter trope based book. Mm -hmm. I'm just never going to do that. And I wrote a mystery. And again, I know what the tropes are in mysteries, a very dystopian mysteries, kind of mystery thriller. And I give the, you those things, there's twists, there's, you know, this, all this kind of stuff. And you have to figure out something about how, how the mystery, the, the source of the mystery. But again, I come close to also breaking some of those conventions. And so I'm always looking for that, for that line. So I'm not going to, I mean, you're not going to find me pumping out, you know, cozy mystery series where it's just cozy, cozy, cozy. It's this, 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 like, I just, just I'm not going to do that. So. Yeah, and when it comes to a lot of these genres, a lot of people are, like you said, uh, Chelsea, is that fact that people want weird a lot more as of late. Um, so we've we've talked a lot about, you know, especially if you listen to the previous episode, folks, that there are a lot of different advantages to it. We've given you examples of people who have done it. Um, you know, J.K. Rowling, um, who was some of the other people, uh, uh, American Gods, H.B. Lovecraft, that's right. Um, but what are some of the key considerations authors should keep in mind when writing multi-genre books or writing in multiple genres to ensure that they have this cohesive and satisfying reading experience for their well readers? Here's what I would say to that. I mean, every author should be thinking about who their ideal reader is, who do they want to read this book. And, you know, you need to be very honest with yourself about what kind of an audience and what kind of audience engagement you want. Because, you know, if you if you tell yourself, well, people who love, you know, contemporary romance are going to love this book. Well, if that's the case, then you have to follow tropes and conventions that you're going to find in contemporary romance and not let that audience down. If you are, as Chelsea says, I mean, if you're going for, I want people who really want, they really want something weirder and stranger. And so, you know, my romance is going to have a horror in it. It's a horror romance. I've, I've done this mashup and it's weird and it's different. That's fine. And then you're going to find that more adventurous reader who's reading outside of genre conventions. So on the one hand, you really need to understand honestly who you think you're writing for. But I think you also have to be honest about how you want to be published. Because if you want to go really wild and crazy, you might want to just go the indie self-publishing route where you're going to put together anything you want. If you're looking for, say, and again, just keep it in romance. If you're looking for, say, Harlequin to publish you, or you're looking for Tor to publish you in horror or, you know, science fiction or SFF, well, then you're going to have to toe the line on some conventions and expectations, at least to a point. So you really have to be honest with yourself as a writer about kind of what do you what do you want out of this project? So what is your opinion on, you know, with with the tropes and things like that? I can say as an author who has lots of books out, I had no idea what tropes were. I and I always feel like the, the least educated author out there. I just I always just read whatever I could get my hands on. So when you were saying, you know, 
make sure you understand the tropes around it. What is your recommendation for people to make sure that the story they're telling and the story they want to tell still incorporates the piece for the audience that they're aiming for without selling out with Right. Well, I think you can read deeply in the genre that you're aiming for, even if you're aiming to break some of the rules. What you want to do is read with an eye toward understanding what are the conventions. So when we talk about tropes, we're really just talking about expectations. And it's so easy to talk about in romance because the expectations are really clear. For example, you need a happily ever after, which is simply called an HEA, or you need a happily for now, which is called an HFN. Um, even even if you're writing, um, you know, same gender books or no matter what it is, um, those are often the things that you have to you have to give the reader. That is what they want. That is what they expect. And they will throw that book across the room if kind of you don't give that to them. Um, other things that are in things like romance are, for example, heat levels. Is it really steamy? Is it, you know, is it erotic? Is it really steamy? Is it like low steam? Are we only peeking in through the bedroom door? Or are we right there on the bed with them or whatever it is? So these are other things that readers kind of expect. They want to know how, how are you dealing with that? Like what, what's the level of sexual explicitness in the, in this particular romance book? And, you know, you can't build something as super steamy and then give them nothing, you know? All right. So I have a fun question that's going to cause us to get some, some hate mail. <laughs> What do you think are the most overplayed tropes? All of them. <laughs> you're the ones that, like, as soon as you see them, you're just like, "Come on!" Like again, um, enemies like enemies to friends, enemies to lovers. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I think sometimes, um, you know, the 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 wimpy little girl who's a loser and un unpopular but she turns into an unbelievably powerful superheroine who saves the universe okay, so she's all that complex <laughs> i mean these are the things that happen over and over and over and over and over and over and look people love them and and there's something wonderful about the familiar because you you kind of know what's coming and you like that but then there are those of us who really want to be surprised we want it to be believable but we want a different kind of world building. I, I I think my the worst one that well I can't say worst I I think for me the one that really gets overplayed way too much I think is um, the hero uh, orphan the orphaned hero. Oh yeah. yes, and every, every hero needs a tragic backstory. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that gets played way too much. But one that I really enjoy, and I know it's so stupid, but uh, for me, I like the overpowered heroes sometimes. Just be oh, the bad complex. Yeah, be, be the the cheat mode. Yeah, the cheat mode characters. Because mm -hmm. I don't know why it is, but it's just fun to just like go through that character. Like, man, what would it be like just to have that in your life? But the one. Oh, <laughs> The super villain would come out in Chelsea very quickly. Yes. Um, oh, I have always made that very clear. I would a hundred percent be a super villain, but just because I believe villainy is uh, is subject to perception. That's true. That is very true. Uh, because it, it, we've had this discussion before too with Thanos. Thanos is a great example of of that because the perception of him from other people is that he's a world destroyer. He's a villain. He's you know the worst of them all but to him it well to him and destroy worlds he takes the, not just the snap situation but i mean he literally destroyed worlds yeah because he takes the resources and allows the people to die basically but he, on the idea if you look at it from his point of view as well as his people's point of view he's a savior because he's willing to go further than certain people will he's willing to go past what a hero would do he, so i think well, i think you're making a really important point too mac which is that when when we layer in these tropes with complexity we're wet, less aware of them being cliches so yeah. as you're saying like if you build in complexity and nuance but i also will tell you that um i read in my own spare time i mostly read literary fiction because um literary fiction doesn't have to um play by those rules so much. 
and you really can be surprised and you really don't know what's coming and you know it can be a lot more about sort of interior struggle and not not so much about it's not so plot driven um and and so i i tend to try and get away from that being overexposed to the to the tropes to be honest but chelsea you must have read enough you read the books and you absorbed these things in un, in your unconscious so that when it came to writing you just knew what rules you just knew what rules you had to play by and what rules you could blow past uh, my books don't have rules <laughs> um, no none. they don't like there's there's it's it's very much it's it's what would actually be a response there's none of those you know oh, we're going to keep constant secrets. Everybody's like, guys, don't be stupid. Like if you keep secrets, we're all dead. Like it breaks all of those mm-hmm. things that I would irritate me reading about because I'm just like, if you guys would just have one conversation, this wouldn't happen. Yeah. That doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And in mind, they also don't immediately get over their mistakes. Like it actually physically has them grow. Like it's like the and I want, I guess I did in a way I wanted to step away from that. Oh my God, here we go. This person's like, this is going to happen. Oh, this person just died, but it's fine because in the next chapter we're over it. It was, it's, it's a development. And I wanted to make mine as relatable as possible, even though it is this fantastical, crazy world where you're being hunted by shadows. Like I wanted to do something a little bit more realistic, but I'm the same. Like I hit things sometimes and I'm just like, I cannot read this. Like I can't, if I hear one more thing about an, a bully romance, I am going to lose my mind. Right. Guys, they're great. If you're looking for masochism, I guess, I don't know, but like do some variety yeah. with it. Like don't, Always have it be a misunderstanding where again you one conversation would have fixed it. So have a legitimate reason. For so it. I, I was um on some of the Facebook groups that I've lurked on over the last couple of years, I learned some really interesting things from readers, which is that, you know, a lot of people are out there and they their lives are lives are not easy, right? I mean they they, they have parental right. responsibilities, they've got money worries, they're working, they've you know, they're they're all these things are, are happening. And when they sit down to read for pleasure they really want something they can kind of totally depend on. They mm-hmm. want they yeah. want to revisit worlds or rules where they they know how it's going to play out, even though there's going to be some twists and turns, because it's the opposite of the way their real life feels. So if real life feels stressful and chaotic and you're not in control, you can go to a book mm-hmm. where everything is controlled. And this is what a lot of people get out of real hardcore genre uh fiction and it took me a while to understand that and i totally understand that and i think writers who satisfy that itch so to speak it's terrific i mean look i i said yes to everything right we want everybody to write everything out there that they that they can think of um Mm -hmm. but i think that's part of what's going on so let me ask you this because i i think when we're looking at all this stuff and the way that it's really being impactful to the publishing world more so the readers themselves and their lives um we really we've noticed that there's a variety of ways that are you know more effective than others when it comes to marketing and promoting these types of books how do you think uh a more optimized way of doing it would be for someone who doesn't have that backing for a public like a publisher but are just doing it now for self-publishing what do you think would be a better uh more effective marketing and promoting promoting? well if i if i had a really great answer to that i would be an incredibly high-priced consultant you know speaking all over over the world right i i kind of think book marketing is broken in a way and when I say that, what I mean by that is it's every author for herself, himself, their self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 the publishers, even traditional publishers, it, carving out the really tippy top, you know, elite writers, they're not doing that much. The small publishers are not doing very much at all. I know I'm, I'm with some of them. And, you know, and then so it's up to, to indie folks and I've been in that camp too, to basically, you know, find the formula that works for us. And and it's not the same for any two people. There's a million resources you can consult out there and there's still no one size fits all, 
right? Should I be, should I, am I going to, is it going to, social marketing going to work for me? Should I try and find an influencer on TikTok? Should I just be putting, building my newsletter? Should I be, you know, making my own YouTube videos? Should I be speaking at authors conferences? Should I be trying to get readings in bookstores? Should I be giving away a free chapter? Should I be putting it on Vela first? What do I do? And so it's, we're in an incredibly fractured landscape. And I think it's going to be like that for quite some time to come. I think what broke it was Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I mean, I have Kindle Unlimited. I go through hundreds of books a year. I do. And I only read the books that have under 30 reviews because, you know, in Amazon, if you have below 20 reviews, you don't get recommended. Right. If somebody can look at something exactly like yours, but you will not get recommended unless you have at least 20 reviews. So I go through and I find the ones that have below 30, below 20 reviews, and I read those. And guys, venture into the deep world if you have Kindle Unlimited and read those books because they are really good. And a lot of times they are better than the ones that you guys are saying are five stars. Kindle is, is rough because anybody can publish on it. And the sheer amount of crap out there, guys. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure, you know, Amy, like you go through and you see these books and it's just like, what do you mean you have 8,000 five-star reviews? You don't even have a cohesive sentence and yet you're a bestseller because you have some hot guy on the cover or you have thousands and thousands of dollars to spend because marketing is expensive. Yeah. And I don't think anybody understands that. Marketing is so expensive especially when you write in several genres and you can't even figure out yourself as the author, like what is the best way to represent this book? Yeah. Like which, which five genres that I'm writing in or that are in this book is going to be the one that somebody goes, Oh my God, this is perfect. This is what I wanted. Do I do action adventure horror? Do you do dystopian YA? Do you do fantasy magic? Like there's so many variations, especially when you write something with several genres you got to experiment and find the right one. And it is costly and it is time consuming. And at the end of the day, half the time you have nothing to show for it. Chelsea, I agree with absolutely every, every word you just uttered, I guess, unfortunately, I agree with all of it. And um, I will tell you personally, I almost just spent nearly $2,000 for a very targeted campaign uh, to boost one of my uh, one of my one of my self-pubbed books, and I have to I pulled away at the last minute. Like I was, I really I found the person to do it uh, who does you know book 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 PR specifically, and I you know I really pulled back and I said to myself, what are you really expecting here? What are you going to get for that money? You're not going to get the hit that you want. You're not going to get the sales. Don't 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 do this. Don't do. It. You yeah. think you think you're investing in yourself? No, not not so much. What you're doing is you're investing in uh, a hope and a prayer. That's you know. So um, all by way of saying, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. There is a lot of very poor material out there. Let me just put a plug in for book coaches like me, although I work in nonfiction, a lot of my book coach friends are in fiction and we really are helping authors to try and being, bring the best book to market that, that, that they can write. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. And I, I really applaud you for doing that, for really making a point of, of, of trying to find these undervalued, underseen so much good fiction uh, just is going, just not getting noticed. Um, uh, while a lot of not so good fiction, um, and I will not name names, although one name for me um, rises above the rest, but I'm never going to badmouth an author. Um, it, it's just sort of, you can't explain it. Yeah. yeah. And it's discouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think with that, it really is when you're looking at all the things that, like you said, there's tons of resources out there. There's tons of coaches out there. Some are great. Some are not so great. Um, but then there's a lot of trends that are going around that are working for specific people um, who know the system. And then of course it's not working so well for those who don't know the system. So, what type of advice would you give to somebody when it comes to leveraging that trend for their specific uh, book? Let's say it is a 
dystopian uh, sci-fi. Right. So here's where I always I always start from from this two things. First, you can very easily drive yourself crazy and try to somehow get on every platform known to humankind and spread yourself thin and think that that's what you need to do. That is not what you need to do. What you really want to do as an author is try to engage with readers in an authentic way. And that may mean engaging with far fewer than you, than you think you should. One of the reasons that I do podcasts, and this is a, this is a wonderful conversation, a wonderful example, is to have a meaningful conversation on something we care about where there may be two of your listeners who go check out my website. That's fine because we've been real about it. Whereas yeah. I can put on something on Facebook every day or something on Instagram every day, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it's barely seen. It doesn't register. It's not an authentic type of engagement. So what I always say is be true to who you are. Resist the pressure to, to equate busyness on social media with accomplishment and think hard about who are the people who really want to read your book and where can you find them? And maybe it means persuading a tiny bookstore in your community to have you come in and read in front of four people. And despite my story about the embarrassment about the like doing the event, nobody came. This is a different situation. If you can connect with those four people, that is a win. That's yeah. a win. And so I think we have to stop thinking that we have to somehow reach these big, 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 big numbers, because that's not engagement. That's just metrics. And yeah. <laughs> but I also think on the opposite side, if you go and do something, you know, there are, I have so many author friends that go and they're so excited and they set up this whole signing or this reading or this, whatever it is, and nobody shows up. Guys, that's still a win too. Yeah. Like you got in somewhere. Do you understand how hard for it is sure. for authors to get for sure. Especially if you don't have a big name behind you, if you're doing it yourself or you're at a small press, just letting those bookstores get in and letting you in is an accomplishment, regardless of if somebody shows or not. And if nobody shows, go buy yourself something. You deserve it. You kicked ass. Like, be proud of it. And at the end of the day, no matter what you write, like, you should be proud of some your accomplishment. Absolutely. So, Amy, we come to the point of the show where we try to continue to have that uh, authentic conversation and create a little bit more of a humanistic side of your AI part. Um, so <laughs> what is your writing kryptonite? Um, oh, that is such a good question. Uh, and I love to have a prepared answer. My writing kryptonite is probably um, like many other writers, not getting uh, deep enough, not getting um, a, a complex enough emotional life of the of the character, so that a reader is going to care. Um, now there are many other kryptonites, doubt, you know, all these other things. But yeah. if I'm going to get, if I'm going to bring that that notion of you know kryptonite sort of into text, it's worrying that um, I'm too on the surface. It's not interesting enough. It's not deep enough. No one will care. No one will want to turn the page. I think that plagues me constantly. So is there a quote, a song, something in your life that inspires you to continue writing? I write, it's not, it's not an external thing like you're suggesting, although I understand that that might be for some people. I write because I just literally have to, it's a compulsion for me. And in the sense of that, if I am not writing uh, in any given day or week, I just think that I have failed to justify my existence on Earth. And that might sound ridiculous, but that's literally the way my brain works. No. no. It keeps you motivated when, let's say you've been, you're having a day and you're just like, I can't do this, but you have to finish it. What is it that keeps you motivated? Well, if I if I really if I'm really not in the in a frame of mind, if I'm distracted or upset, um, and I can't write, I let myself not write for 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 a really big reason. Even when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about something that I'm writing, and things start happening that I don't even realize until I come back to the page. So not writing is still thinking about writing, and I really value that. I think that's important. 
But what just keeps me coming back is a lot of it is just no stubborn discipline. It's just that if you're going to call yourself a writer, well, God damn it, you have to write. It's <laughs> She's got a point. Okay. What has been your biggest hurdle with writing, though? What has been the hardest thing for you to get through? Uh, get, often getting, you know, you're getting deep into a story and, and you sort of, you start worrying, oh my gosh, I think this is falling apart. I don't think, you know, I don't think I it's going where I thought it was going. How am I going to pull this out to the end? Do I need to, you know, I mean, do I need to abandon it? Am I going to get through? I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, I, I did recently, recently meeting in the last six months, I'd worked really hard on the, the first part of a novel and I spent hours, hours and hours plotting, planning. I literally had charts. I had pages and pages of notes. I had, I don't know, 40,000 words. And I just took a look at it and I said, I can't, I just can't, maybe someday, but not now. And I almost felt like it was almost like a death. It was like, I just got to put you aside, honey. And, you know, I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's <was> hard. <laughs> I'm still yeah. mourning it. <laughs> we, we, I think we've all been there. I've had, I have like five or six different stories that I've had to put aside right now. It's just, it's, it's not the timing. It's not the right time to do it, mm -hmm. but I know I'm going to do it. Trash I know I don't trash anything either. I just still, it's still like right there. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. I have. We won't go into your library of crazy yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, so, I, have, I have a fragments file. You know, it's like fragments, ideas, fragments. You know, yeah. There you mm -hmm. go. So, final question: What is next for Miss Amy Bernstein? I'm working on. I have a. I have a, a book, a, a novel out on submission now. Uh, I'm trying to find an agent. Um, I'm absolutely ready for an agent, ready to be represented. So that's one of the wishes I'm putting out into the universe that I've worked very hard toward. And I am writing something uh, new um, because while you're waiting to hear back from the universe, you cannot sit and twiddle your thumbs. And I said to myself, when I sent this thing out there and I said, all right, you could fall apart now or you can start something new. And I said, okay, we'll start something new. So that's what I'm doing. Starting something new is always the best part. Right. It is. Because you still think you can write it. <laughs> yep. Well, Amy, thank you again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. So it's come to the point of the shameless self-promotion point. Please tell everybody where they can find you. The events are coming up. Anything that you're willing to give up right now, the floor is yours. Yes. Well, um, you know, people are welcome to go uh, learn more about me at amywrites.live. It's pretty straightforward. It's A-M-Y-W-R-I-T-E-S dot live. All my books are there. Other things are there. Uh, courses, writing courses that I that I teach and that are upcoming are listed there. Uh, I'm excited that I will be at the Gaithersburg, Maryland Book Festival on a panel this weekend, May 20. Uh, anyone who's who's in Maryland or suburban Maryland uh, would love to see you there. It's going to be a fantastic book festival. A lot of really big names. I'm not one of the big names. Um, but uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you again for being on here, Amy. We really appreciate you. Yes, it's been a blast. It has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. All right, Amy. Or Amy. Chelsea. I just said her name. That's the only reason. What do you think? What, what do you think about the conversation? We have a great conversation. I thought it went really well. Um, we need to work on the intro a bit. <sighs> Sorry. Hey, I'll work on it. Well, you forgot to do the you because I think it's because we were already started. Yeah. You never went back to hey guys, like welcome to Beyond the Pen. You were just like so. All right, let's get into this. And I was like, oh no. But hey. I thought it was fun. She was good. I thought it was a good interaction. Um, I tried not to over ask anything, but I tried to make sure that you had reprieve from asking things. So what did you think? Well, in regards to Amy, I think she brought up a lot of good points. And the fact that mm -hmm. uh, you both have more of a published lifestyle than me, um, I, I think it's it was good to see what you both had. Uh, to to work with on uh, you both have different experiences but you also had the same experiences as well so I think it to me honestly it was really good there's a lot of stuff in there about you know dealing with leveraging certain trends some of the uh, tropes that are 
working and working too well or not well enough or over. But, and then of course, just having the motivation to continue writing, even when you don't feel like doing it in her, her sense, yeah. it's a compulsion, like she said, which is something I wish I had because I get really uh, over. I feel like your compulsive parts where it's like, okay, like, don't talk to me. Like, I just, I need to get this out. But I feel like that's too stifling. You force yourself to write every day. Aren't you losing the creative? Pro I don't know, but I'm a chaos writer. Well, so that, I, that you're just a walking vile chaos too. So it yeah. just happens. So, but I think, yeah, with what we, we were discussing today with multi-genre books and writing in different genres as well i think it's really good to do that there's a lot of benefits to it there's a lot of great things that come with it but again there's also some disadvantages as well to it well, that goes with anything but at this point ladies and gentlemen you know where to find us you know what to do with it just keep writing keep inspiring keep sharing and just join us each week Chelsea, thank you again for being on here, too. It's always fun to have you on here. And the continuation of the craziness. Amy, we appreciate you being on here. And for everybody else, keep reading. We appreciate you. And find your limitlessness in your life. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.